chapter five of the red gauntlet by sir walter scott this LibriVox recording is in the public domain recording by dion gines salt lake city utah chapter five darcy latimer's journal in continuation two or three days perhaps more perhaps less had been spent in bed where i was carefully attended and treated i believe with as much judgment as the case required and i was at length allowed to quit my bed though not the chamber i was now more able to make some observation on the place of my confinement the room in appearance and furniture resembled the best apartment in a farmer's house and the window two stories high looked into a backyard or court filled with domestic poultry there were the usual domestic offices about this yard i could distinguish the brew-house and the barn and i heard from a more remote building the lowing of the cattle and other rural sounds announcing a large and well-stocked farm these were sights and sounds qualified to dispel any apprehension of immediate violence yet the building seemed ancient and strong a part of the roof was battlemented and the walls were of great thickness lastly i observed with some unpleasant sensations that the windows of my chamber had been lately secured with iron stanchions and that the servants who brought me victuals or visited my apartment to render other menial offices always locked the door when they retired the comfort and cleanliness of my chamber were of true english growth and such as i had rarely seen on the other side of the tweed the very old wainscot which composed the floor and the panelling of the room was scrubbed with a degree of labour which the scottish housewife rarely bestows on her most costly furniture the whole apartments appropriated to my use consisted of the bedroom a small parlour adjacent within which was a still smaller closet having a narrow window which seemed anciently to have been used as a shot-hole admitting indeed a very moderate portion of light and air but without its being possible to see anything from it except the blue sky and that only by mounting on a chair there were appearances of a separate entrance into this cabinet besides that which communicated with the parlour but it had been recently built up as i discovered by removing a piece of tapestry which covered the fresh mason work i found some of my clothes here with linen and other articles as well as my writing-case containing pen ink and paper which enables me at my leisure which god knows is undisturbed enough to make this record of my confinement it may be well believed however that i do not trust to the security of the bureau 
but carry the written sheets about my person so that i can only be deprived of them by actual violence i also am cautious to write in the little cabinet only so that i can hear any person approach me through the other apartments and have time enough to put aside my journal before they come upon me the servants a stout country fellow and a very pretty milkmaid-looking lass by whom i am attended seem of the true joan and hedge school thinking of little and desiring nothing beyond the very limited sphere of their own duties or enjoyments and having no curiosity whatever about the affairs of others their behaviour to me in particular is at the same time very kind and very provoking my table is abundantly supplied and they seem anxious to comply with my taste in that department but whenever i make inquiries beyond what's for dinner the brute of a lad baffles me by his anon and his dunna gnaw and if hard pressed turns his back on me composedly and leaves the room the girl too pretends to be as simple as he but an arch grin which she cannot always suppress seems to acknowledge that she understands perfectly well the game which she is playing and is determined to keep me in ignorance both of them and the wench in particular treat me as they would do a spoiled child and never directly refuse me anything which i ask taking care at the same time not to make their words good by effectually granting my request thus if i desire to go out i am promised by dorcas that i shall walk in the park at night and see the cows milked just as she would propose such an amusement to a child but she takes care never to keep her word if it is in her power to do so in the meantime there has stolen on me insensibly an indifference to my freedom a carelessness about my situation for which i am unable to account unless it be the consequence of weakness and loss of blood i have read of men who immured as i am have surprised the world by the address with which they have successfully overcome the most formidable obstacles to their escape and when i have heard such anecdotes i have said to myself that no one who is possessed only of a fragment of free stone or a rusty nail to grind down rivets and to pick locks having his full leisure to employ in the task need continue the inhabitant of a prison here however i sit day after day without a single effort to effect my liberation yet my inactivity is not the result of despondency but arises in part at least from feelings of a very different cast my story long a mysterious one seems now upon the verge of some strange development and i feel a solemn impression 
that i ought to wait the course of events to struggle against which is opposing my feeble efforts to the high will of fate thou my ellen wilt treat as timidity this passive acquiescence which has sunk down on me like a benumbing torpor but if thou hast remembered by what visions my couch was haunted and dost but think of the probability that i am in the vicinity perhaps under the same roof with g m thou wilt acknowledge that other feelings than pusillanimity have tended in some degree to reconcile me to my fate still i own it is unmanly to submit with patience to this oppressive confinement my heart rises against it especially when i sit down to record my sufferings in this journal and i am determined as the first step to my deliverance to have my letters sent to the post-house i am disappointed when the girl dorcas upon whom i had fixed for a messenger heard me talk of sending a letter she willingly offered her services and received the crown which i gave her for my purse had not taken flight with the more valuable contents of my pocket-book with a smile which showed her whole set of white teeth but when with the purpose of gaining some intelligence respecting my present place of abode i asked to which post-town she was to send or carry the letter a stolid anon showed me she was either ignorant of the nature of a post-office or that for the present she chose to seem so simpleton i said with some sharpness oh lord sir answered the girl turning pale which they always do when i show any sparks of anger don't put yourself in a passion i'll put the letter in the post what and not know the name of the post town said i out of patience how on earth do you propose to manage that la you there good master what need you frighten a poor girl that is no scholard baiting what she learned at the charity school of st bees is st bees far from this place dorcas do you send your letters there said i in a manner as insinuating and yet careless as i could assume st bees la who but a madman begging your honour's pardon it's a matter of twenty years since fodder lived at st bees which is twenty or forty or i dunno not how many miles from this part to the west on the coast side and i would not have left st bees but that fodder oh the devil take your father replied i to which she answered nay but thof your honour be a little how come so you shouldn't damn folks fodders and i won't stand to it for one oh i beg you a thousand pardons i wish your father no ill in the world he was a very honest man in his way was an honest man she exclaimed for the cumbrians are it would seem like their neighbours the scotch ticklish on the point of ancestry 
he is a very honest man as ever led nag with halter on head to stainshaw bank fair honest he is a horse cooper right right i replied i know it i have heard of your father as honest as any horse cooper of them all why dorcas i mean to buy a horse of him ah your honour sighed dorcas he is the man to serve your honour well if ever you should get round again or thof you were a bit off the hooks he would no more cheat you than well well we will deal my girl you may depend on it but tell me now were i to give you a letter what would you do to get it forward why put it into squire's own bag that hangs in hall answered poor dorcas what else could i do he sends it to brampton or to carloyle or where it pleases him once a week and that gate ah said i and i suppose your sweetheart john carries it noah doesn't now and jan is no sweetheart of mine ever since he danced at his mother's feast with kitty rutledge and let me sit still that a did it was most abominable in jan and what i could never have thought of him i replied oh but a did though a let me sit still on my seat a did well well my pretty may you will get a handsomer fellow than jan jan's not the fellow for you i see that noah noah answered the damsel but he is well enough for all that mon but i carena a button for him for there is the miller's son that suited me last appleby fair when i went with uncle is a gray canny lad as you will see in the sunshine ay a fine stout fellow do you think he would carry my letter to carlyle to carlyle twould be all his life is worth he mon wait on clap and hopper as they say odd his father would brain him if he went to carlyle baiting to wrestling for the belt or sick like but i have more bachelors than him there is the schoolmaster can write almost as well as thou canst mon then he is the very man to take charge of a letter he knows the trouble of writing one ay marry does he and too comest to that man only it takes him four hours to write as many lines tan it is a great round hand like that one can read easily and not like your honours that are like midge's taste but for ganging to carlyle he's dead foundered man as cripple as ecky's mere in the name of god said i how is it that you propose to get my letter to the post why just to put it into squire's bag like reiterated dorcas he sends it by crystal nixon to post as you call it when such is his pleasure here i was then not much edified by having obtained a list of dorcas's bachelors and by finding myself with respect to any information which i desired just exactly at the point 
where i set out it was of consequence to me however to accustom the girl to converse with me familiarly if she did so she could not always be on her guard and something i thought might drop from her which i could turn to advantage does not the squire usually look into his letter-bag dorcas said i with as much indifference as i could assume that a does said dorcas and a threw out a letter of mine to raff miller because i said well well i won't trouble him with mine said i dorcas but instead i will write to himself dorcas but how shall i address him anon was again dorcas's resource i mean how is he called what is his name sure your honour should know best said dorcas i know the devil you drive me beyond patience noah noah donna your honour go beyond patience donna ye now implored the wench and for his name they say he has more nor one in westmoreland and on the scottish side but he is seldom with us excepting in the cocking season and then we just call him squire loik and so do my master and dame and is he here at present said i not he not he he is a buck hunting as they tell me somewhere up the patterdale way but he comes and gangs like a flap of a whirlwind or sick like i broke off the conversation after forcing on dorcas a little silver to buy ribbons with which she was so much delighted that she exclaimed god crystal nixon may say his worst on thee but thou art a civil gentleman for all him and a quite man with women-folk like there is no sense in being too quiet with women-folk so i added a kiss with my crown-piece and i cannot help thinking that i have secured a partisan in dorcas at least she blushed and pocketed her little compliment with one hand while with the other she adjusted her cherry-coloured ribbons a little disordered by the struggle it cost me to attain the honour of a salute as she unlocked the door to leave the apartment she turned back and looking on me with a strong expression of compassion added the remarkable words la best mad or no thou's a meddled lad after all there was something very ominous in the sound of these farewell words which seemed to afford me a clue to the pretext under which i was detained in confinement my demeanour was probably insane enough while i was agitated at once by the frenzy incident to the fever and the anxiety arising from my extraordinary situation but is it possible they can now establish any cause for confining me arising out of the state of my mind if this be really the pretext under which i am restrained from my liberty nothing but the sedate correctness of my conduct can remove the prejudices which these circumstances may have excited in the minds of all 
who have approached me during my illness i have heard dreadful thought of men who for various reasons have been trepanned into the custody of the keepers of private madhouses and whose brain after years of misery became at length unsettled through irresistible sympathy with the wretched beings among whom they were classed this shall not be my case if by strong internal resolution it is in human nature to avoid the action of exterior and contagious sympathies meantime i sat down to compose and arrange my thoughts for my proposed appeal to my jailer so i must call him whom i addressed in the following manner having at length and after making several copies found language to qualify the sense of resentment which burned in the first draughts of my letter and endeavoured to assume a tone more conciliating i mentioned the two occasions on which he had certainly saved my life when at the utmost peril and i added that whatever was the purpose of the restraint now practised on me as i was given to understand by his authority it could not certainly be with any view to ultimately injuring me he might i said have mistaken me for some other person and i gave him what account i could of my situation and education to correct such an error i supposed it next possible that he might think me too weak for travelling and not capable of taking care of myself and i begged to assure him that i was restored to perfect health and quite able to endure the fatigue of a journey lastly i reminded him in firm though measured terms that the restraint which i sustained was an illegal one and highly punishable by the laws which protect the liberties of the subject i ended by demanding that he would take me before a magistrate or at least that he would favour me with a personal interview and explain his meaning with regard to me perhaps this letter was expressed in a tone too humble for the situation of an injured man and i am inclined to think so when i again recapitulate its tenor but what could i do i was in the power of one whose passions seem as violent as his means of gratifying them appear unbounded i had reason too to believe this to thee allan that all his family did not approve of the violence of his conduct towards me my object in fine was freedom and who would not sacrifice much to attain it i had no means of addressing my letter excepting for the squire's own hand he could be at no great distance for in the course of twenty-four hours i received an answer it was addressed to darcy latimer and contained these words you have demanded an interview with me you have required to be carried before a magistrate your first wish shall be granted perhaps the second also meanwhile be assured that you are a prisoner for the time by competent authority and that such authority 
is supported by adequate power beware therefore of struggling with a force sufficient to crush you but abandon yourself to that train of events by which we are both swept along and which it is impossible that either of us can resist these mysterious words were without signature of any kind and left me nothing more important to do than to prepare myself for the meeting which they promised for that purpose i must now break off and make sure of the manuscript so far as i can in my present condition be sure of anything by concealing it within the lining of my coat so as not to be found without strict search End of chapter 5